and welcome to the inaugural D&D podcast, or perhaps better stated as an RPG cast. We are using the rules of Dungeons & Dragons version 3.5, but using them loosely, adapting them so that we can bring to life one of our favorite video games here at Gamecola, Crystallis, or if you prefer, Crystallis, depending on your regional accent. And this is a game that is a uh, classic RPG for the NES, and we will be bringing to life four of the major characters, the four wise men, as played by the following people. Jetty, why don't you do the honors of going first? I'm Jetty, and I will be playing Zebu, the wise man of the wind. Christian. I am Christian Porter. I will be Tornel. Uh, I think he does fire things. I've never played Crystalis or Dungeons and Dragons, so I'll be the guy dragging everyone else down. <laughs> this will be exciting. Vanji. I'm uh, Vanji Regiway. I will be playing... Cena, the wise person of water, and the token female. <laughs> and Mike. I am Mike Ridgway, and uh, I will be playing Kensu, the wise man of thunder. Yeah, he's more like a wise dude, I think, than a man so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it's been a while since I played Christmas. Uh, but yeah, that's who I'll be. Woohoo! All right, so without any further ado, we'll begin. When a story is retold, oftentimes there are little details that change as time goes on. Though the beginning, middle, and end may remain the same, perhaps the hero gets a little taller after a few retellings, or the villain a little fouler. Most of the time, these small details are insignificant in the grand scheme of the story, but under the right circumstances, even the smallest detail can alter the direction of an entire story. You all know the tale of the Great War that nearly decimated humanity, leveling cities and transforming even the gentlest of animals into terrible beasts. You also know how the survivors shunned the technology that brought them to ruin, ushering in a new era of simplicity, prosperity, and magic. The lost art was rediscovered and embraced by many, and civilization began to flourish again under the leadership of wise magicians such as yourselves. Yet, even as peace returned to the world, a sinister plot was unfolding. A devious sorcerer began to realize how powerful he could become by combining his magic with the forbidden ways of technology. In some versions of this story, he's called Dragonia. In others, he is named Dragon, or Dragon, or Dragon, depending on your regional accent. Now, here is where the little details begin to make a difference. Some storytellers will say that this sorcerer constructed a floating tower in the sky, one containing a mechanical intelligence capable of emulating his magical power. Other storytellers will introduce the tower as an aerial battle fortress, one of the last surviving technological creations of humanity, with the sorcerer racing to find a way to enter it and claim its power for himself. Regardless of its origin, the tower plays a central part in every version of this story. Ultimately, the hero's goal is to destroy the tower to return peace to the land. There is another constant in the story, that a group of magicians determined to stop this sorcerer use their powers to create a series of elemental swords, wind, fire, water, and thunder, which only sort of counts as an element, that could be combined to create a mighty sword of elemental crystal, 
also somewhat dubiously qualified to be an element, called Crystallis, or Crystallis, depending on your regional accent. When the sorcerer hears of these weapons, and of the bracelets and balls crafted by the magicians to boost these swords' powers, he seizes the weapons, scatters them across the globe after unsuccessfully attempting to destroy them, and strips the magicians of most of their magic. Thus, the stage is set for a new hero to emerge and finish the work the magicians started. Yet, this struggle is not one that is well developed in any account of the story. Did the magicians put up much of a fight? Were they taken by surprise? These are unimportant details in the broader scope of the story, to be sure. But suppose we were to explore them. Suppose the magicians were aware that the sorcerer knew of their plans and prepared for his arrival. Suppose it was merely a matter of seconds that led to the magician's defeat, that the sorcerer had arrived exactly at the moment of the sword's creation, rather than a moment later, when the magicians had their swords in hand. In that case, something as trivial as a sneeze could mean the difference between one outcome, where the weakened magicians seek out a hero in hibernation to fight the sorcerer for them, and another outcome, where the magicians have no need to seek out this hero's help, for they themselves defeat the sorcerer. Zebu, Tornel, Asina, and Kensu, your story begins where this story divides. Wielding the four elemental swords, you are the magicians who have defeated the evil sorcerer. Yet his defeat is merely a beginning in disguise. This sorcerer led an empire, an empire whose tyranny you have resisted under the leadership of a man named Azteca. And although his empire may crumble without his leadership, it will not happen overnight, especially while the floating tower remains aloft. Crumbling empires and madmen alike will not rest until its destructive capabilities are in their hands, and even those with benevolent intent will inevitably repeat the mistakes of the past. Know that tower must be destroyed, and with the elemental swords at your side and a newly slain evil emperor at your feet, you're feeling pretty good about the whole idea of destroying it yourselves. Now, if only you could figure out how to get there. For the last several days, you've been traveling from town to town in search of clues about the tower's whereabouts. One would think a gigantic golden tower in the sky would be hard to miss, but you've heard rumors and testimonies that the tower seems to have activated recently and has been slowly moving from one place to another, sometimes vanishing before people's very eyes. Even if you can find the tower, there's still the question of how to get up there. You may have magic that allows you to teleport and fly, but creating those swords and items drained a lot of your power, and magic has its limitations to begin with. Azteca has cryptically assured you that you shall find a way into the tower if you seek it earnestly. The man seems to know all this world's secrets, but he is always loath to share exactly what he knows and how he knows it. At the moment, the four of you are seated around a sturdy wooden table at an inn called Nader's. It's a sort of outpost at the base of Mount Saber, a harsh and rugged mountain known for being the last place you'll ever hear from some of your more adventurous friends. Nader sells basic travel supplies and rents rooms at the kind of rates you'd argue about if you were anywhere closer to civilization. The food is good, the air is kept warm by roaring fireplaces, and the building itself, while solidly built with good quality furniture inside, could stand to hire a maid. Dust, dirt, and half-melted snow seem to be a permanent part of the decor. You've been here for about an hour and have just finished an early dinner. People are just now starting to emerge from their rooms and from outside to grab some grub. It looks like there's a good mix of people here. Somebody's bound to know something helpful about getting to the next town, where to find the tower, and what kind of gear you might need. This is also a good time to discuss whether you'll be traveling again tonight, or forking over more gold than you'd care to part with to reserve a room for the evening. Before any of that, however, your waitress returns to your table with a spring in her step. Clara is an attractive young woman with cascading crimson hair, and a smile warm enough to reheat that last bit of cold potato you've been poking around on your plate for the last 20 minutes. 
She looks around to all of you and asks, anyone interested in dessert? She looks at you expectantly. No, thanks. Uh, I'm going to say yes, indeed, and then give uh, Athena a glance. <laughs> so she uh, nods. And she... Or what? Yeah, we're playing for <laughs> She nods, and she smiles an especially large grin at Kensu and heads off for the dessert tray. You have a moment to chat as people are starting to filter in. So, we're chatting. so how about this Mount Saber? <laughs> I see we're role-playing already. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so it's just that we've already been here for an hour. Zebu, you're old. You do things. What are we doing here? Uh, I thought we were looking for the flying tower. We are. Have you guys seen it yet? Nope. From game over. Someone in the vicinity. From nearby, you see a, uh, a middle-aged man with an outrageously fluffy brown beard that makes the rest of his body look even scrawnier than it already is. He hears you mention the words "floating tower." And he pauses for a second, and you catch him staring over in your direction. He's sort of staring awkwardly. Paul, Paul, <laughs> have you have you heard of the floating tower? I'm I'm sorry, my name's not Paul. I'm Bruno. Uh, who are you, oh. and why are you looking for this floating tower? I'm gonna call you Paul. So, uh, gather information check. Yes, you can gather an information. Yay! I am rolling my d20. And that 14 with my bonus, that's a 27. 27, awesome. So you have a uh, pleasant little chat with the man. Uh, you find oh. out that he's from the town of Bryn Mawr, and he's here for the weekend to get away from his insufferable in-laws who are visiting from out of town. And he happens to be a, a little bit of a tower fan. He's always interested. It's just fascinating, this big golden floating tower in the sky. And uh, has heard a couple of rumors filtering in from down uh, in the general vicinity of Portoa and Swan to other cities, towns uh, that are around the way, that uh, the tower seems to have taken up permanent residence over the angry sea. Do we know where the Angry Sea is? Yeah, you, you've you not been there yet, but you know that it is on the other side of this mountain, and uh, there are a couple of different towns that are nearby, but you are definitely heading in the right direction if that's uh, where you're looking to be. Oh, I relay my information to my party members. <laughs> relay, relay, relay. So uh, I guess that means that we need to get to climbing. Yes. Yeah. We have to climb, like we have to go through the mountain to get to these places, or... Can we just go back down the mountain and go around the mountain? Mountain's dangerous. We want to be at our best, you know, fight or mop up Keep the sea empire and tower. The man is still staring at you, by the way. Oh. Don't worry. I'm sure we will have only level appropriate encounters. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he finally gets hungry enough to stop staring at you and goes about his business. And... Clara, your waitress, comes back with a lovely dessert of what the heck is it? And she places down these plates of some sort of pudding, bread pudding, cake, donut. You actually can't recognize what it is. Does it look appetizing? Does it, uh, it, does, appetizing? it doesn't look appetizing. It smells amazing. Kensu, if you'd like to have mine, feel free. Okay, so knowledge engineering covers oozes, right? So can I make a knowledge engineering check? Uh, you could. <laughs> Because it looks oozy. <laughs> <laughs> and now let's engineering to check it and see if it's a slime. 20. 20. Ah. Uh, it, it may have hints of uh, ooze extract in it, but it's uh, probably just regular jam or jelly or cave slime. It's hard to tell. I will pass. But it smells amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a big old bite. All right. 
You do. Roll a fortitude save. Fortitude. Nineteen. It's delicious, and you can just barely finish it all in one bite. Nom, 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 Clara suddenly peers over your shoulder and uh, leans in and says, so it was good, huh? I made it myself. He says that? He's asking me if it was good? I'm sorry, too busy chewing. Clara, the waitress. Uh, yes, yes, it's quite good. Very filling, very filling. Om, nom, nom, nom. Michael She summarily disregards you, doesn't even look at you, and just winks at Kensu on the way out. Oh, damn, baby. You better cut that bitch. <laughs> you say, I'll stay here. You get to cut I guess I do have a sword. <laughs> <laughs> so adventurers have uh, you have plenty of people to talk to here. You have a decision to make. It sounds like perhaps you're interested in uh, heading over the mountain. Wasn't it getting late? Wait, what was yeah, that? Can I geography check to see if there's another way around the mountain? Ah, very good. Yes, go ahead. Tornell is geographying the situation. I got a 15 plus. A, I have an 11 skill modifier. Yeah, so... Oh, no, ability modifier is 3. So you rolled a 15, and you add your 11 modifier to it, so you get a magical 26, which is very good. So you know that the best way, if you're looking for the shortest way, is to go either through the tunnels of the mountain or to climb the mountain, if weather permits. And there is technically another way. There's a couple of other ways that you could get around the mountain, but the amount of time that you would spend getting around them and the kind of harsh terrain that you might need to run into uh, in different areas, it probably isn't worth it. Also, it hasn't been scripted by the DM, so it's really not worth it. So we're being railroaded through the mountain. (laughs) So we're being railroaded through the mountain is what you're telling us. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) All right. Okay. So... Well, sounds like you know this is the best. It sounds like this is the best lead we've had in a while. Um, I'm stuck from my dessert and feeling all bloated and gassy, so I'm gonna go retire to my room. Uh, you have uh, and I guess in the morning maybe you know for you can set it up for these other places. Okay, uh, you haven't actually resu- reserved a room yet. You will need to pay for one. Uh, how about the rest of all of you? You stay in as well, or are you going to head out without him? Uh, how, how... Ooh, it sounds like that's a tough decision. <laughs> um, it's early dinner time. So, hmm. five. Well, actually, you're just done with it, so it's like six now. Well, how long would it take us to get through the, uh, the mountains, I guess I asked to Tornell, who just did his geography check? <laughs> so, Tornell, you are vaguely aware of the mountain. You, you could probably do it in less than a day you know two three four hours maybe depending on how often you had to stop how badly you got your butt kicked and needed to run back for healing that kind of thing so what do you say tornell do you and i want to leave these two behind and uh head out through the mountain already what why are we going to behind uh i mean if you're coming on to me i accept <laughs> the uh waitress walks by and she says oh i'm not interested in you honey so, Tornell, I was thinking. <laughs> had enough of this flying tower. I'm gonna go build my own flying tower. With fuckers. Blackjack. So, uh, does that mean that we're staying here for the night, or...? Uh, that means that you're gonna stay at the table where you're sitting all night, because apparently we can't go outside or to a room. <laughs> well, how much would it cost for a room? Uh, that's an excellent question. Why don't you ask someone who runs the inn? 
uh, I ask someone who runs the inn how much it costs for a room for the night. <laughs> All right. So you make your way over to the bar where Nader, the proprietor of the establishment, is standing there cleaning glasses. He's got this slicked back black hair, gaudy jewelry, a big gut, and an even bigger ego. And he says to you, hey, you want to stay the night? You can stay the night for you. Just $50. It's 50 Yeah, it's 50 Oh. Is, that, is that U.S. dollars or? Uh, that's gold dollars, dollars, actually. What's inter- What's interesting about Crystallis is that the money is registered in dollars, but you pick up gold pieces on the ground, so they're gold dollars. <laughs> that was technically historically a uh, a thing. How um is it fifty dollars per person or per room, and how many people go in a room? Well, you can fit four people in a room, but. We have enough beds for everybody. I mean, it's it's fifty dollars per person. They are very nice beds, especially up here. It's a quite reasonable price. I'm sure you'd agree. No, no, I don't agree. <laughs> Can I go out of town for like ten minutes and just kill some monsters? <laughs> uh, you are more than welcome to, if you so desire. I mean, I have money, but I mean, I sorry, I know I'm metagaming. It's like I I'll just go outside of town and like kill two dudes. <laughs> Can I roll? Here's your money dripping with monster innards. Go to keep. Actually, a fun factoid, which is relevant, is that due to the magical nature of your swords, a killing blow actually tears the molecular structure of your target apart, so there is no bloody monster goo, and miraculously, they leave behind whatever gold they happen to have piled inside of them, because that's what monsters but like I'll to chew on. I'll kill a monster with my bare hands and dip the gold in it just to satisfy that fat schmuck. That's the spirit. <laughs> Either way, he's getting some gold dripping with monster in her. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what I can roll to get this guy to uh, diplomacy lower his price. Yeah, you could roll a diplomacy check. Uh, you could roll an intimidate check. You could roll a bluff check. Those are the good, the the big ones. Yeah, I was thinking uh, diplomacy. I get a pretty good modifier on. I think I will go with that. Try to work him down a bit. So I'm gonna roll. Uh, I got a 19 total. Can I assist, Ooh. or do you need me to? Uh, I think that would probably be helpful. Okay. Uh, I got 27 again. <laughs> uh, high roller, I see. All right. So uh, go ahead and just give me a little sample of how you're sweet-talking Nadir, and then I'll pick it up from there. Well, you know, uh, we're out here to save the world. So if you could help us out, uh, certainly it would help you in staying alive. You know, everybody wants to save the world, but the best way to save the world is to save your money once you get it from the customers. You are an unpleasant person. But, and uh, Asina, weren't you jumping in there to help diplomatize? I just think it would be really reasonable if you could maybe take it down a notch, because we really want to give you our business. We do. It's just that, you know, 50 is a little high, and at this rate, I'm thinking that maybe camping would just be better. You see him thinking it over for a second. And he says, yeah, you know what? I like you. Clara likes you. I think, um, you know, we can do a discount. How does uh, 49 gold apiece sound? That's it. We're turning this car around. We're going back down the mountain. <laughs> and, okay, question. Do we have alignments? Yeah. Because, you uh, know, yeah, we yeah. can... We, I, you, you do. Cordell, uh, the Cordell, alignments should be listed the at the top of your page. You your orb of fire. <laughs> 
I'd like to intimidate him. <laughs> okay, you can start to intimidate him. Roll. We're going to end up worse than the Emperor ever would have been. <laughs> <laughs> I got a 12 and modifier of... No. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, I rolled a 12, and I, yeah, a modifier of 2. So a 14. Okay. So... He looks at you, well, while your friends are very nicely, politely talking, you just come storm up there and put your hands on your hips and start scowling at him or something. I don't know. It looks like you have an overbite. And he looks at you and he says, is that what you have to put up with? He says to Asina and Zebu. He says, is that what you have to put up with all the all time? Right. you got to drag this guy around? Day. All right, all right, you guys, I got an idea, but I need you to distract Clara. What? I got an idea, but I need you to distract the, the, the bar oh. Uh, it it looks like he's uh, just about to start eating into the palm of your hand, so I don't know, uh, Kensu. Why don't you roll a spot check? Yeah, we or... can't put up with that asshole every day, and our life is really hard. And you totally give us a discount. <laughs> yeah, you know I I I I can feel your pain. All right, fine. Forty gold it is for everybody. Okay. Is that acceptable to everyone? Yeah. Don't make a habit of this. 40 gold, because keep in mind, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I only got 140, so... Yeah, but we're probably going to get more as we kill monsters, right? Like, the, the road is literally paved with monster money, all right? <laughs> well, I'm going to uh, go to sleep for 40 a night. All right, so you have reserved a room, and as you, uh, you head to the room, you notice a sign on one of the doors nearby your room that says shop, open, um... So if you wanted to do any shopping at any point, that's also a possibility as well. If you want to go back to the bar, you can do that. If you want to walk around outside and kill some monsters, you can do that. But you have a room all to yourself. Four nice, cushy, cozy beds. A nice little fireplace in the corner that uh, is it has a fire in it, but it's dwindling. And a nice big window that has a gorgeous view of the backside of the mountain. I will peruse the room that is labeled shop. Okay. Anybody else going shopping? Uh, I will as well. I'm going to stay and I'm going to look at the mountain. Okay. Thoughtfully. (laughs) (laughs) You do that. So uh, you meditate. Yes, that's what it's called. Yes. So the three of you go into the shop. And as you enter the shop, you find a man who introduces himself as Frank. Frank is a sharp-featured young man who runs the shop. He's wearing a gray helmet with tinted goggles strapped to them and a matching suit of simple padded armor. Frank is friendly enough, but it's uh, clear after talking with him, he starts to chat with you for a couple of minutes. And uh, before you even get a chance to ask him what he's selling, it, it's become very clear that he's completely underappreciated around here. He says, yeah, I'm the go-to guy. I handle everything here. Belligerent customers. I gotta drag them away from the bar, throw them outside. Monsters who wandered too close to the inn. I gotta go outside and slay them. And what do I get for it? Maybe a pat on the head and saying you left the shop alone too long. We just lost $40 in business. (sighs) So what can I do for you? The guy's name is Frank. The guy's name is Frank. Frank... You seem like a really stand-up guy. You and know I am. I am. Sorry, I am sorry that you have to go through this. I mean, we're we're you know trying to to help this world in you know, the way we can, but you are the real hero, Frank. You are here day in day out, keeping this town running. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Now, what do you got behind that counter, Frank? 
Well, I got a couple of things. It's uh, not the greatest assortment you'll ever see, but it'll uh, be everything you'd ever need going through this mountain here. We have a bunch of medical herbs here that are going for 60 bucks each. Very handy. You get injured, that'll clean up just about any kind of wound aside from like a sword through the head and we also have an antidote herb also very helpful there's a couple of nasties up there that uh, have some venomous fangs on them you know what i mean and got a, uh, a fruit of power we like to call it it's a fruity dorky name if i ever heard one but uh it's fruit and it's powerful if uh you you strike me those uh, pointed ears of yours kind of look a little like uh, maybe some magicians that I've heard about. So that might be something useful for you, that uh, magical power reserve or whatever it is that uh, you call on to form your powers or whatever it is you fancy magician voodoo people do. Uh, that'll help restore that well. And we got warp boots, which are also sort of magical. Uh, you just click your heels together and boom, you're uh, just about any place you've already been. I've got those already, though. And those are going for 80. Fruit of Power is 100. Now, do you have any uh, sort of, you know, arms and armor back there? Maybe uh, a Saras or maybe uh, some gauntlets or something like that? You know what? Sadly, the the best place to go for that is on the other side of the mountain. Portoa has a lot of good equipment there. I mean, that is the place to go. And we're we're trying to open up a trade route here. I mean, we keep getting avalanches and cave-ins. We get monsters that come in here. And uh, just between you and me, I'm pretty sure I saw an Imperial soldier or two up on the mountain. I don't know what they're doing. Really? Now, where, whereabouts of the mountain are we talking here? Oh, well, I don't know for sure. It sounded like it was pretty high up. It was uh, one of those more adventurous types who uh, uh, likes to go and uh, see just how far he can get before he has to come here nursing his wounds. Just, uh, actually, I think he's around here somewhere. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know. He's got a name. He's a, he's a kid. A little baby-faced kid. little baby-faced kid, huh? All right. I think I'll have to check him out. But, uh, meantime, how much is that antidote herb going for? Uh, it's going for 70. I mean, it's a uh, difference between life and death as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, if it were up to me, I'd make it a little bit cheaper. You know, people got to stay alive. Oh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely heading up there, and uh, we've got some important business, and hopefully we want to take care of this, uh, any Imperials we see up there. Uh, is there any way you can, uh, any way you can bring down the price on that, uh, that antidote herb? Look, if you're thinking about taking those antidote herbs and fashioning them into a fashionable armor, I don't know that that's going to do you much good, but uh, if you're just going to use it as an herb, I still don't know how much good it's going to do against the Imperials. They're not much uh, for poison, you know, but... Uh, if you're going in just to hack and slash at some monsters in there, uh, yeah, I can probably uh, <clears throat> drop the price as long as Nadir isn't listening. Yeah, I mean, Nadir does not seem like a happy customer. He, uh, he doesn't appreciate you. Not no, he doesn't. So, uh, I don't know, what do you think, 55 sound okay to you? I think I can make two at 55. Right on. 55 gold it is. You pay the man, he hands you a... Uh, Nice, slightly uh, reddish-tinted herb. Kind of looks like poison ivy a little bit, but no. it's not. Not. So you have an antidote herb. It says anything else? That's about that fruit of power. That was a hundred, you said. That was a hundred, and those are exceedingly difficult to come by around here. So I can understand that price. What do you say, thirty? <laughs> what do you say? You want to get me a new job after I get fired from this one? I will. <laughs> Um, sense motive check, he does not believe you. 
So Christian takes off on his motorcycle, apparently. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Now it's time to haul ass to Lollapalooza. He says, look, the best I can do for you is 90, but even that, I don't know. I will intimidate. <laughs> Why? Frank's a stand-up guy. I want $30 for my fruit. <laughs> uh, also, you as a team can pool your money together if there's something you think would be of mutual value. Oh, okay. Cornell smells like sulfur. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so are you, are you intimidating enough yet, Tornell? Uh, let's see. I think I had the wrong number last time. Oh, my God, I, had it. I rolled a one. So uh, I got a 10, uh, so no. So uh, one is automatic failure, whereas 20 is automatic success, unless it's something outrageous uh, that you just physically should not be able to do. But uh, one is automatic failure, but I like to add a little bit of flavor. One is catastrophic failure. Not only do you not succeed at doing what you want to do, but uh, you do something horribly wrong on top of it. And so in attempting to intimidate the man, you actually give him a backhanded compliment that he kind of likes. <laughs> I, I was hoping you said you end up giving him an awkward back rub. <laughs> no, like a, 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 a catastrophic fail is like you end up inadvertently insulting his mother. And like stabbing him in the foot. <laughs> but you haven't seen where this has gone yet. So he smiles at you now. Coming on to you? Because that would be great. So anyways, getting on with it. Uh, not important. You fail. And uh, he's not intimidated. I'll come up with better catastrophic failures for later when it really matters. <laughs> so, anyone else buying anything? Any uh, power fruits? Uh, no. If we can get at least one healing herb for the party, that'd be great. But I don't have enough to ask for it. I'm busy looking at mountains. <laughs> they are have, fascinating. Uh, All right, he says. Well, I was uh, looking at closing up shop a little early tonight, actually. So uh, I don't know if there's anything else that you need, but otherwise, I'll I'll just you know see you tomorrow maybe. Okay. Night. Does he wink at Tornell as he goes by? Uh, no, he actually doesn't. He was just kidding. It was not a catastrophic failure. The DM will do better next time. I like my look. So you leave. And then, moments later, Frank busts open the door and says, Wait a second, that's not at all what you meant by that. I am never letting you back into this shop. And he just glares at Tornell. <laughs> Apparently he was a little slow in the uptake in interpreting what it was that you actually said to him. Not even the DM knows what transpired there, so it's probably best just to leave it alone. You're back out in the main area of the inn, and looking around, and there's people happily enjoying their dinner. Clara gives Kensu a wink as he walks by, and where to? The mountain! The mountain! Leaving Zebu alone. Wait, 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 but we didn't... We paid for the, uh... <laughs> the room. <laughs> leave your money on the table and just walk away. I'm, Thanks for the room, sucker. Uh, I'm looking. That's all right. It smells like Zebu's old man gas, anyway. <laughs> Hold on. I'm I'm looking at the mountain. I'm gonna roll a concentration check. I got twenty. Like I got a six plus fourteen. That is one heck of a backside of the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can I intimidate the mountain? <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> I got fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> you give it a backhanded compliment. <laughs> Can I make an opposed strength check against the mountain? Oh my goodness, sure. Why not? 15. Uh, <laughs> the mountain sees your 15. It rolled an 18 and uh, counts to a number that I can't actually calculate right now and uh, frowns at you in your impotence. Screw you, mountain. 
Anyone so, want to do anything useful? Uh, jump check. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> uh, so people are going about their business. They, uh, they're they noticing you. I guess you're standing outside the door of the shop or uh, possibly meandering around your room being bizarre. So they're uh, ceasing to pay attention to you. Yeah. It is getting darker. And actually looking out the window, you can see that it's starting to snow. Mm. Uh, okay. Do I notice any lights on the mountain? There do not appear to be any lights on the mountain. Uh, it's actually getting darker quickly, so mm, there's not a whole lot of oh, light oh, from the I night sky. Oh, I need to go find the kid that told the Imperial guy. That's what Wait, I what, what? Oh, that's what you were going to do. Something plot-related. Awesome. Whoa. I don't know. I was going to try to roll a jump over the mountain. But... So this should not be difficult. Kensu, roll a spot check. Fourteen. Fourteen. Uh, you spot a baby-faced young man sitting at the bar. He is grossly overdressed, even for this weather. Like, overdressed how? Overdressed like five layers of jackets, as many boots as he can possibly fit over the other boots that he's wearing. I'm going to go up to him. All right. So he looks at you. His cheeks are nice and rosy, and he's sort of got this dull grin on his face as he looks over you. Hey there. How you doing? I'm going to tell him he has a party now. Right, what? I'm <laughs> uh, Say, buddy, uh, you, you might have seen some Imperials up on the mountain. Oh, yeah, Imperials, yeah. They uh, they were pretty up there on the mountain. Oh, boy, were they ever. Do you, uh, you remember exactly where they were or what they were doing? or? Uh... Um, they were standing uh, on some dirt. Uh, yeah. They were very good at it. Were they maybe moving something, or like looking like they were going somewhere? Or? Uh, they they were going into the mountain. Into the mountain. Like I killed a, a slug. Cave or something like that up there. What? They're like a cave or something up there. Oh, there's plenty of caves. Do you, do you remember in particular there's which one they caves. What? I'm making a post strength check against this guy. <laughs> <laughs> an opposed strength check? Did you say? Yeah. uh... Oh, no, it's still You arm wrestling uh, him? What are you doing? Let's say I make a bluff check. Nah, I don't know what I do. I'm not very good at these types of skills. I think I'm just good at fighting. Uh, just roll gather information. Yeah, gather information, I suppose. Gather information. 18. Uh, you successfully detect what kind of liquor is on his breath. Uh, that's some useful information right there. But after you uh, you talk with him a little bit more and suffer through all of his ramblings, you find out that um, apparently somebody up there on the mountain, uh, the Imperials up there, have been bringing big carts filled with something, kind of look like mine carts, uh, that they've been dragging around up there. Ah, you keep them look out for any like uh, tracks or anything that might lead into um, the mountain. Uh, uh, no tracks, just on wheels. Like, woo, wheels. But, um... You'll leave tracks, drunkie. Well, no, no, they're, they're probably there because of the same reason that I'm there. I, they, they must know the girl that I know. I was in the tavern in Bryn Mawr, um, talking with... This girl. Well, not talking with her. I was looking at her. Which is kind of like talking with her with your eyes. 
and she was talking to her boyfriend, and the boyfriend said, oh, I'm going to get rich quick, and she said, yeah, I, I made lots of money from the stones up on the mountain, and then he goes and runs off, and I say, hey, that's a good idea, so I'm up here too, and that's why the Imperials are here, I am sure. Okay, he collapses in his drink. Alright, I'm gonna leave this guy alone. I, he, he's doing such a terrible impersonation of a drunk person. <laughs> uh, I don't think I can really get anything more out of him. So... Can I mess with him? Uh, yeah, you can mess with him. Do I get my magic points back after I, after I sleep? Uh, yes, you get your magic points back in full along with your hit points when you sleep for the night. He's unconscious, right? He can't resist. Uh, possibly. <laughs> I'm going to use my polymorph ability. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to turn him into a. What can I turn to? What, what can I do with this? You can turn him into any humanoid form you're familiar with. So you can turn him into specific people that you know, not like a gen. Like you can't turn him into a woman. It needs to be a specific woman, for example. I'm going to turn him into Nader. <laughs> Ralph Nader? Bar owner. Nader. Oh, okay. Nader. I'm sorry, the, the French version of Nader. Nader. <laughs> uh, you can go ahead and uh, blow, f- what is that, 40 magic points on that? <laughs> Whatever, I'm going to go to sleep. They come back, right? Yeah. So, alright, <laughs> you cast the magic spell on him, and all of a sudden, the bartender is asleep in his drink at the bar, as the bartender looks on. And he looks yeah. at you and he says, you're one of them, ain't you? And I go, I, I want to put my, my finger to my cheek and go, maybe? <laughs> he says, ugh, wow, I need a shave. Get out of here. Go to bed. <laughs> So he just frowns at you and goes back to cleaning up the bar. Anything else anybody wants to do before turning in for the night? No, I'm really just going to bed. Okay. I have no part in these All right, so you all finally go back to bed, and you turn in for the night, and all is well, and you start to fall asleep, and you can see the snow starting to pick up from outside the window. It gets a little bit colder as you're falling asleep. I have terrible gas from my dessert. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. Uh, And as you're starting to head into bed, uh, Nader officially declares to everybody that it's too dangerous to go outside due to the snow, and he begins to lock all of the doors and windows and shutter them. So you're asleep for a little while, not long enough to actually recover any magic points or anything, and you hear a loud noise outside that sounds like someone is trying to kick down the door. Nathaniel, you screwed me. (laughs) Screwed me over. (laughs) It could be traveling clowns here to be entertaining. That's even worse! (laughs) (laughs) All right, so all of you are awakened by this horrible knocking at the door. It's not your door, it's the outside door, but you can hear it from here. Uh, Is there a peephole? Uh, There is not a peephole. You can poke the door open a crack if you want. You can throw it open. You you can just sit in the room and listen to the door, whatever. Just let me know what you want to do. You hear the knocking get louder. Uh... I get up and I go and I peek out from the door just to crack to see uh, what's you, going on. You toddle out in your jammies, do you? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. So you open the the door a crack, and if anybody else wants to, you know, shove in alongside the door, uh, you're welcome to do that. So you are peeking through, and 
you see that Nader is there in his striped pajamas, bunny slippers, and bathrobe, trying to get a couple of the customers to go back to sleep, and he's shouting at them. and say, go back to bed! It's just normal! Don't even worry about it! Get your money's worth! And you see an elderly gentleman um, who's hobbling toward the door. He, um... It, it looks, you can't tell very well from here, but it looks like all the hair that used to be on his head has since migrated into a long, ugly, scraggly mess around his chin and neck. And he looks like he could potentially be vaguely related to Nader, but he starts to unlock the door. And uh, the moment it's unlocked, he's knocked backwards as the door is flung open by a man who's almost all torso, dressed from head to toe in some sort of flexible-looking armor. Bulky gray shoulder pads adorn his dark cerulean breastplate, and his arms and hands look almost more like tentacles that have sprouted out of his armor. His face is completely covered by a round mask of the same color and material, with a gray visor protruding over a dark slit in the mask through which he can presumably see. Thick black hair covers the rest of his head, providing the only hint that something human lives beneath the armor. Around the man's waist is an ornate golden belt, seemingly more for added defense than to hold up his pants. Pearly white greaves and matching boots complete the outfit. As he strides through the doorway, you catch a glimpse of two swords sheathed in an X formation against his back. You know this man if he can even be called a man anymore. He is Mado, formerly one of the greatest warriors your resistance against the Empire ever had. Emperor Dragon lured him and three others from your ranks, Kelbesk, a soldier, Sabera, a sorceress, and Carmine, a wizard, into a trap that clouded their minds and allowed them to be overtaken by the darkness within themselves. Since then, they have served Emperor Dragon without question, leading his armies into battle and heading up all of the Empire's major operations. Mado, however, was always a lone wolf. If he's here, it's almost a guarantee that he's here alone, which is still of little comfort considering how treacherous and formidable he was before Dragon got a hold of him. Nader rushes to close the door before the snow and bitterly cold wind can reach any further inside, completely ignoring his disoriented father, the old man, you're assuming, uh, who is growing visibly upset as he picks himself up off the floor with great effort. Clearly unfazed by the intimidating presence of Mado, Nader steps up in front of him and starts waggling his finger as he shouts, Look here, you brute! If you want a room for the night, just knock on the door like everybody else. Don't go kicking down my door. <coughs> Nader is promptly cut off as Mado grabs him by the throat and lifts him off the floor into his eye level. Actions, we still watching? Yeah. Uh, we should probably intervene. Gonna go give us a more. So are we intervening? We're waiting another couple of seconds. Uh, I am sneaking back and putting uh, my regular clothes and equipment on. That's good. Put on some armor. We like that. All right. So as Zebu is getting equipped, you seem to have lost my reservation, Mado growls with a hint of amusement to Nader. I'll take your room for the night then. Nader struggles for a moment and then promptly stops, reluctantly raising his arm to point in the direction of his chambers. Much obliged, replies Mado, dropping him to the floor in a heap. Everyone present presses a little tighter against the wall as Mado makes his way to Nader's room. He pauses for a second as he passes by your door, but continues on without stopping, and uh, gently, gently closes the door to Nader's room behind him. Everyone in the main room lets out a collective sigh. Nader's a little shaky. He gets up and he starts shooing people slowly back into his room and then finally goes over to see if his father's okay. Nader's kind of a jerk. So, did you guys see that? We totally know that dude. Oh yeah, we totally do. That was that tomato guy. (laughs) How did I know? (laughs) Uh, 
So are we going back to sleep or what? <laughs> I mean, we should probably stand, one of us at least should stand watch during the night, or we can take turns. All right, who's staying watch? Uh, well, I guess since I just put all my equipment on and everyone else is still in their pajamas, <laughs> yeah, you're dressed. <laughs> uh, I guess I should go ahead. All right, Suzebu, you stay up. The rest of you go to sleep, yeah. and the night passes without incident. All of you wake up in the morning, and none of you are dead. Uh, presumably, at some point, Zebu switches off to somebody else, because he, at some point, needs to get some sleep. Yes. No, he doesn't. Uh, so you are all... barely sleep at all. <laughs> you are all now at full health and full magic points. Yay! Yeah, yeah. And it looks like it stopped snowing, although you see a fairly large amount of snow piled up outside the window. Can we actually get out of the inn? Yeah, actually, the door opens inward, so, uh, no, you shouldn't have any trouble getting out there. So do we want to check on this Mado dude? Probably stick around, make sure he doesn't cause any trouble. All right, well, you stick around, and Clara comes out with uh, a loaf of breakfast. That's right, a loaf of breakfast, and uh, complimentary, of course, on the house for staying the night. And she's just a little bit shaken, and so, Kensu, she's sort of staring at you for reassurance. Hands off, bitch, is mine. She continues to ignore you. How, how is that possible? I, I'm supposed to have like a really good charisma this time around. Well, then roll a charisma check. <laughs> Fine. Roll intimidate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to roll an intimidate check. <laughs> 21. Uh, she is... She actually looks at you and then turns her eyes downward and she just mumbles, sorry, it just it gets lonely up here. Um, I'll, I'll go now. And she sulks away. Yeah. I hope you're happy. <laughs> Shouldn't have ignored me. Rude. All right, so you have your breakfast loaf, and it's delicious. And nobody's coming out. Nobody's doing anything. Nobody's really talking. They're all sort of quietly eating their breakfast. And constantly, like everybody here at the inn, is kind of looking around their surroundings instead of focusing on what they're eating. The uh, kid you were talking to with the baby face last night uh, seems to be hungover and uh, mistakenly plunges the fork with the breakfast loaf into the side of his cheek, missing his mouth entirely. Seems to wake him up a little. Seems like he has an eating problem. (laughs) Seems like he has a number of problems, actually. (laughs) So there doesn't seem to be much going on here. And breakfast loaf is delicious. Is Nadir there at the bar? He is letting the old man run the bar for right now. Um, you're not actually sure where he's sleeping. Oh. After a couple of minutes, uh, you see Frank come around to uh, open up the shop, and he says, oh, seriously? And then he just closes the door and walks back out. Oh, can I go over and talk to Frank and ask him what's uh, what happened? Yeah, you can do that. Should I, should I roll a uh, talk to him check? Uh, no, you don't need to roll a talk to him check. You just need to talk to him. Hey, uh, Frank, what what happened? Nader is sleeping on my table in my shop. <laughs> he at least got clothes on? <clears throat> He's sleeping on my table, and that's all I want to say about it. Oh, man, you got Nader junk all up in your biz right now, son. He walks off. He's so terrible. <laughs> there he is. Um... What happened when, this is what happens when you don't give me an alignment. <laughs> I gave you an alignment. You're chaotic. No, you no, you did not. It's not on the oh, character sheet. Save, silly spreadsheet. You should be chaotic good, but you're chaotic whatever the heck you want to be right now, I guess. 
which is all the more appropriate. So there's nothing doing out here, and you wait around a while, and Mado does not come out from Nadir's room. You assume he's dead. Oh, I was going to say, can I go... We did something useful. I'm having a wonderful time. Well, you haven't gotten experience points, so obviously you weren't responsible. I was going to say, can I go peek into Nadir's room? Uh, Yes, you can. Uh, Roll a reflex save as you open the door. Uh, You're going to see the mayo junk. (laughs) No, I'm going... Oh, wait, no. Oh, sorry. Uh, I got a 12. You... um, The door explodes in your face. It just bursts into fire, some sort of magical trap on it. And you take... Ooh, 12 damage. Ouch. 12 fire damage. And the door is lightly on fire and will soon spread. Uh, Guys? The the customers look up and start to panic a little. Crap. I'm going to look at at, uh, Nadir's father and say, you might want to get that fixed. He can't even talk. He's so flustered right now. The old man does the first thing that he can think of, and he grabs a big old tankard of beer. (laughs) <laughs> and he goes to throw it on the fire. And, uh, can some of the water over here do anything? Like, yeah, I, was I don't know. Say. I see a used water gun. Like, is that possible? Or is uh, it just yes, a sword have, of water? You do have a sword of water that when you charge it up, uh, even just one degree, it will uh, splash some water. All right, then I charge up my sword and start splashing water on things. <laughs> you let loose a big old shot of water, which neatly puts out the fire on the first try. It was super effective. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, um... Not useful. Hooray! You can use a Master Ball on Door. <laughs> oh, shit! Can I use a Master Ball on Mado? Catch him? Find him the, to my The room? Master Ball? Yes. What? What is the Master Ball? Uh, wait. When you combine all the balls, does it make like a... No, uh, you can't combine the balls or the bracelets that you have that power up your swords. You can only combine the swords. If I if I threw the ball at Mado, will it like pop open and trap him inside? Uh, possibly. You what is it? You need to press down an A when you're doing that, just to make yeah, sure. It doesn't actually do anything. Okay, so what are we actually doing? <laughs> uh, we are actually each of us getting. Um, 15 experience points, and Asina, uh, you get 25 experience points instead for putting out the fire. Hooray. Um, everybody also gets an additional, on top of that, 25 experience points for living through the night without provoking Mado's wrath or getting into a bar fight or doing anything else that might potentially jeopardize your mission. Oh. Yay! And I realize that That's in the grand scheme of things, these experience point values are very low, but because we're using adjusted numbers for Chrysalis, that's actually an okay decent amount of experience. How much do I get again? 15 plus 25? Uh, 15 plus 25 for everybody, except um, Asina, who gets 25 plus 25. Great. And just because it amuses me, an extra five experience points to Kensu for using his powers like a true wise man and transforming the drunkard at the bar into Nadir. <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. I was going to transform myself into the waitress and tell, and tell uh, Nadir I was going to sleep with him if... Uh... The, uh, if he gave the, the four adventurers free room. We are so shuffling around the magical powers that you guys get. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so right now... There's nothing doing. The door to Mado's room, I'm sorry, Nadir's room, is open, and there doesn't appear to be anybody in there. The window's open. Oh. Uh, 
did Meta leave anything of his behind? Uh, do a search check. Alright. I got a seven. Alright. Oh, no, right. I'm sorry, an eight. An eight. Ooh. I got a zero at math. <laughs> uh, you find nothing useful except a charred door. Uh, I'll take it. I look outside the window. Uh, it looks like there's a path going back down the mountain the way you came up before. Oh. Well, nothing much of interest inside the room unless somebody wants to do another search check, which will yield nothing. So I suggest we move on. Oh. Uh, well, it looks like we know how to get a free room now, but uh, Mado's gone. So what do we do now? Do we want to go up the mountain? Do we want to go back? Yes. We want to go up the mountain. The scene is like, get me out of here. We don't want to follow this trail back down? See what Mado is up to? So you march outside, and there's about ankle-deep amount of snow. It looks like there's more in some places, less in others. The uh, wind is fairly heavy on the side of the mountain here, so a lot of the snow has been blown off to lower parts of the mountain. Bleak would be a good word to describe Mount Saber. Sheer cliffs and rugged stone in hues of gray and faint blue stand in stark contrast to the lush green fields just beyond the base of the mountain. Prone to snowstorms and avalanches, Mount Saber is hardly a tourist-friendly destination, but twisting tunnels within the mountain provide a shortcut to the waterside city of Portoa, making the mountain a valuable trade route for those who know the way and come prepared. So you are out on the mountain, standing in front of the uh, inn. You can see... Uh, that to the east, the trail goes winding back down the mountain the way you came out, and to the west, the trail curves upwards a little bit up the mountain, and you can also see a little bit to the west, it looks like a very, very steep cliff. Um, or Actually, it's more like a hill. It would still technically be walkable if it weren't for the fact that it's completely covered in a sheet of ice that may be difficult to traverse. So, Guys, I got this. I got rabbit boots. So, uh, <laughs> looking to the west, you have your uh, big, long row of ice going up the hill, uh, or you can keep winding around the mountain. Well, guys, what do you think? Well, basically, the options are up or around. Uh, the options are try and go up the thick sheet of ice, or go west and keep following the trail, see where it goes. Um, I'd say follow the trail, but that's, that's me. Okay. Anybody else have an opinion? Uh, there, there you said there were there were tunnels in the in the mountain. Yeah, were there are tunnels. There are tunnels throughout the mountain. Um, and technically, if you were a really skilled climber, you could scale the cliffs of the mountain without going through the tunnels or going around the paths. But that would be exceedingly difficult. Okay. I have levitate. Is it, would that help? If, you know, levitate uh, that? Uh, that that could certainly help. Kensu, the way that your flying levitation ability works is that you'll basically float up to 10 feet above the ground and continue right. to float around at that height, um, regardless of which way you go. So you'll constantly be about 10 feet above the ground. Okay. So no flying off into the sky. I know, I know. So what are we doing? Uh, I guess we're traveling to the west around the mountain, down the path. Okay. We are traveling to the west, around the mountain. And you trudge through some more snow, and you come upon, as the path curves to the south a little bit and then back to the west, you find what looks to be an official entrance to a tunnel. This is not just some cavern, this is not just some hole in the side of the mountain, but there appear to be fences around it and a sort of door frame for it. Um, roll... 
Anybody have knowledge nobility? Um, I think I might. I don't know, Nathaniel. You made the character. Yeah, I do. I do. I'd like to make sure you know your own characters, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> roll a knowledge. I rolled nobility. a 26. 26. Wow, these numbers are great. So, you recognize this architecture as imperial architecture, the kind of thing that they set up out in the front to indicate that there's an imperial mine here. There's an imperial mine here, guys. Wow. Or at least that's indicated by their architecture. (laughs) Do you think there are any flying towers in there? Probably not. (laughs) They might have some intel. That's true. Is the doorway open? Like, can we just... Yes, it it is wide open. Do we want to head on in there, you know, see if we can talk to some imperial guards? (laughs) <laughs> Does my knowledge of geography help me find an unofficial tunnel entrance? Uh, your knowledge of geography suggests that there are probably a couple of cave entrances here and there about the mountain. So as you go higher up, you may find more caves. So you go into the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. You go into the tunnel. The tunnels of Mount Saber are dimly illuminated by the eerie blue glow of the smooth rock walls. Though you can't see all that clearly beyond your immediate vicinity, you can tell these tunnels are likely man-made, considering how straight and cleanly carved they are. The tunnels are cold to the point where you can see your breath, and it feels drafty no matter how far away from the outside entrances you are. The ground is mostly covered in dirt, with occasional bits of rubble from the walls and ceilings scattered about. Where you are right now looks to be as far as you can see, which is about... 30 feet ahead, another 30 feet beyond that shadowy illumination and darkness um, beyond that, despite the very faint illumination from the walls. But as best as you can tell, it looks like this is just a straight tunnel. No curves, no twists, no turns. Do you oh. proceed? I need a marching order. How are you going to yes, march we proceed. cave? We proceed. Yes. Hooray. Yeah. Uh, in what order? Are you all going in a straight line? you pairing up two by two? Somebody taking point, the three of you behind? you all going to orbit each other like planets around the sun? Like, what are you doing? Kensu goes first. <laughs> Kensu goes first. Excellent. Who's next? Uh, me. Sina, right behind him. Uh, then next? Me. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm at the back. So I'm marching a straight line with... Zebu bringing up the rear. Fantastic. I mean, I had that door incident, so... Yeah, so you're a little singed. All right. um, So you begin marching. March, march, march. And it's cold and it's quiet. Uh, DM to player, I would uh, recommend doing a running spot check and listen check for anything that may want to ambush you. Okay. How, How do we do that? So you roll a spot check. And just say that this is your running spot check, that at all times, that's the number that you keep rolling any time I might ask for a spot check. Uh, because I'd like to give you different checks. Mike is a big fan of the perception check in Pathfinder, which combines spot and lesson. Yeah, I, so, I don't know. I think I, I like And he just makes us roll it all the freaking time. <laughs> Jerk. Um, I'm a good DM. Quiet you. Uh, yes, I will roll a running spot check if anyone else doesn't. Does anyone else have a really good spot check? I've got a pretty good one. I've got 13. Yeah, you do it then. All right. Uh, 30. Uh, you see things that aren't even there. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are tripping balls right now. You're <laughs> All right, so you march your way through, and then 
just at the edge of your shadowy illumination, about 60 feet away, halfway down the tunnel, you notice two creatures. One of them is slithering your way, the other is scuttling your way. The one on the left, so on the west side, is a appears to be a dragon snake. It is a big, thick red snake that has little wings on the back of it that make it sort of look like a dragon, also almost like a, a sort of beard um, on the front of it, which is bizarre. And next to it, scuttling alongside, is some sort of turtle creature. has this uh, lumpy, bubbly, reddish-tinted shell, and you can see lots of spindly legs running around beneath there. And they uh, seem to spot you and start crawling your way quickly. Everybody, roll for initiative. You have your Yay, first... Yay, initiative! Uh, I got 11. Sixteen. Hold on to your initiatives till everybody's rolled, and then I'll ask you for uh, what all I need. Okay, so who is going first? Mike. I'm uh, 23. 23, okay. Next. Me. Uh, 17. Okay, Cena has 17. Next. Uh, with the modifier, I also have 17. 17. Which one of you has a higher dexterity score that will break the tie? My modifier is plus 3. Um... My dexterity score is 16. So she wins. Okay. So Asina goes first, then Tornell. And how about you, Zebu? Uh, 11. 11. Ah, and what's your dexterity score? Uh, 18. 18. Okay. So it looks like the heroes get to kick butt first. Kensu, go ahead. So just, again, to set the scene, you are in a straight line. You've got a tunnel on either side of you. The tunnel is approximately 20 feet wide and way longer than you're probably going to need to cover right now. The monsters are 60 feet ahead of you, and they have a five-foot space between the two of them. All right, so my, my level one power for the Sword of Thunder... Is described as a split line, 60 feet. Yes, a couple of things I need to explain because I ran out of room on the character sheet to actually write them. As per the game, all of your charged-up sword powers have different effects. Uh, yours, you have the fanciest sword of all. The Sword of Thunder uh, will actually shoot one lightning bolt in a straight line, as well as two lightning bolts in a V-shape around it. So it's sort of a, a split, a three-way split. Um, so you can potentially angle it so that your two of your lightning bolts uh, hit each of these creatures. All right, I'll do that. Uh, I'll, I'll usually move action to charge up, and uh, I will do the split line thing. Okay, well, let's see. From where you are, I guess I should probably specify... Um, yeah, well, they're they're kind of at the edge of. Yeah, they're at the edge of where you're seeing the split is immediate. So going off at uh, let's say about a like a 20 degree angle or so from where you are. I'm sorry, it's difficult when I don't have a map in front of you to show you all what I'm looking at, and uh, because I'm I'm a little fudgy about distances in D and D to begin with, which you know, shame on me. But um, or just shame. the way I, uh, I know, just the way I'm looking at them at the map from here. Uh, yeah, you can actually hit them. Yeah. Uh, because it will be a move action to charge up and then your standard action to fire, so you don't actually get to move into position. Um, so, But you are fortunately in a position where you can hit all of them from here. Hooray! So roll to hit, please. All right. Um... And you may either use one roll for both hits, or you can roll each one separately. Just let me know what you're doing in advance. Are we doing uh, is this touch attack, or...? 
that is no, it's just a regular attack. All right. Uh, let's say I do one for both. Yeah, that seems most reasonable. All right, one for both. Natural one. Ooh, okay. And what's the other one? I do have to confirm it. Uh, uh, let's see. Fumble confirm was a 27. But I was just going to do one for both, so. Okay. Um, yeah, that is uh, definitely a failure. Your shots, your lightning bolts go way far of the mark, but nothing actually bad happens to you. Okay. Okay, Kensu, waste of a turn. Asina, go. All right, I spend my move action charging up my water sword one level, I guess. Okay. And then use my standard action to attack with said level one sword of water. Okay, so you lean around Kensu and fling water at which target, the snake or the turtle? The dragon snake or the turtle pod? Uh, They're both equally close to you, depending on which way you lean around Kensu. Uh, I'll lean around to the right of him. Okay, that's the turtle pod. The turtle pod. I'm sure there are official names for these guys. I don't know what they are. All right, that's a, with my attack bonus, that's a 17. 17 is a hit. Okay. Damage is 1d8 plus 3. Okay. So, 5 total. 5 damage. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it gets knocked back a little. You can see oh. it, it hurts a little bit. Tornell. I will use my move to charge up my sword. Zoop. Okay. And this is a 20, right? A d20 that I roll? Yes. Okay. I got a 4. Uh, plus your modifier? Or is that with your modifier? Oh, uh, which modifier would this one be? That would be your attack roll that's in, right now, your level 1 sort of fire block. Okay. So I got a 15. Awesome. Uh, that is a hit. Not by much, but it's a hit. <laughs> and, and roll for damage. That is a which, total of eight. Eight damage. Okay. Um, and I'm sorry, did you say the snake or the turtle? Oh, uh, turtle. Okay. So you lean over, and you launch out a uh, small little fireball at the turtle, and you hear this metallic cling sound as the energy dissipates around him. Uh, it doesn't seem to do anything. Stupid sort of fire. This doesn't make any <laughs> sense. He's blue. <laughs> That's why He's it red. He's uh, red. I thought, I thought the turtle was blue and, like, the snake was red. No, they're both red. Oh, oh dang. <laughs> Sorry. Zebu! Uh, I use both of my actions to charge my sword, so I'm at sword level two. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I'm just envisioning what's going on. Like, to an outside observer, there's just a line of you <laughs> standing there, and Kensu's like, charge! And Asina's like, charge! And Tornell's like, charge! So anyhow, I'm having a fun mental picture game. <laughs> and it's off to the snake. The snake comes slithering at you at high speed and uh, does a charge to strike out and bite Kensu. Uh, oh, yes, I should also uh, have you tell me all of your armor classes. Oh, yeah. So that I can attack you properly. <laughs> so, uh, Zebu, your armor class. 17. Yes, Tornell. 16. Asina? 17. Nice. Uh, Kensu? 15. Oh, what was that? 15. 15, thank you. You speak yawn. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so the dragon snake attacks, and he successfully hits Kensu. 
Kensu, roll a fortitude save. You can feel the fangs bite down into your arm, and you feel some poison starting to creep in there. 23. 23. You successfully save against the poison and take a paltry three damage from the bite. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, yes, you do. A paltry three damage from the bite. And it's back to Kensu. Get your revenge. Yeah, let's just do a... Uh, yeah, I can do a full attack action against him, right? Full attack action being what? Uh, you know... Oh, oh I'm sorry. Standing there actually taking two melee attacks? Yes. Yes, yes, okay. Yeah, full attack. Let's see. Plus ten, plus five. And anybody two. else in the party who has an idea of what they want to do, feel free to roll in advance. Uh, let's see... Yeah. And that's a uh, 22. 22 is a hit. Alright. Four damage. Oh. Four damage. Woo. Okay. Uh, the snake hurts a little bit. Asina. Um, I will do the same thing I did last time, which is charge up one and then hit 19. 19 is a hit. Uh, 11 damage. 11 damage to... Are we hitting the snake or the turtle? Same guys before, so... The turtle pod you hit before. Mm-hmm. I believe. So you do some damage to him. And uh, you can see him shake a little bit. He doesn't seem to be holding up well against your attack. Tornell, your turn. Got a 24. Oh, and I'm going to melee. I'm just going to melee attack it. Okay, so you will need to actually step forward. Do you want to step around your comrades to the left or to the right? Uh, towards the snaky thing. He's directly in front of the line of your party, so you can sneak up on him from the left side or the right side. Take a pick. Oh, uh, the left side. Okay, so you come up the left side, and smackity. Go ahead. So you said a 20, was it? Yeah, Yeah. actually it was a 24. Oh, well. And uh, roll for damage, please. 12. 12. 12 damage. Excellent. The snake hurts. You uh, slash at its... uh, well, it doesn't really have a throat, but about where its throat would be. Uh, well, I guess it kind of does have a throat. Anyhow, you slash at it. And your sword is actually effective. Um, just as a, a technical note in real Crystallis, you probably wouldn't be able to hit enemies like this with that sword at all. But I'm being nice, and <laughs> it just does non-elemental damage when you attack it regular melee. So, Zebu. Okay, I'm going to, I guess, lean to the right and attack the uh, turtley thing. Okay. I rolled 21 for my attack roll. That is a hit. Uh, and I did 10 damage. Nice. Okay. You can see the turtle's spindly legs starting to wobble. And it's back to the snake, who now has a new target, turns towards Tornell, and tries to bite, and does a terrible, terrible, terrible job. <laughs> and misses miserably. Uh, I use my move action to laugh at him. Uh, that's a free action, sir. And, uh, and I know turtle, parcel pod, so I, The uh... turtle pod realizes that he completely failed to take his turn last turn <laughs> and <laughs> makes up for lost time using a magical time reversal spell that the DM suddenly decides that he has. Um, scuttles forward <laughs> to be able to attack Kensu from the right side. And uh, misses miserably. And hits! Ha! So, also, roll another fortitude save, Kensu. Uh, 17. Um, you feel a little funny for a second, but you just barely uh, managed to fight off this feeling of illness. But, I mean, you take seven damage. 
Die. Go for it, Kensu. Okay. Uh, full attack on the snake. Okay. Possible crit. Nice. One. So no crit there. And uh, I guess a nine doesn't hit, does it? Uh, nine does not hit. Uh, let's see. Nine damage to the snake. Sorry, eight damage. Eight damage. Okay. It's starting to look a little wobbly, but it's still holding its ground. And Asina, go ahead. I'm just going to keep going with what works. Okay, that's fine. Um, and you, you are now within melee range of the turtle pod. It's oh. now adjacent to you uh, where Kensu is. Doesn't mean that you have to do it. So full round attack, would I get two attacks then? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's worth it. All right, so first attack is kind of on a crack, so I'm going to reroll. Um, first attack is 14. Okay, uh, that is a hit. Is it 12? Uh, that is not a hit. So, five damage. Five damage. Uh, the You may describe the turtle pod's death. <laughs> uh, he flips over on his back and wiggles his, his legs in the air like a really pathetic sad turtle, and then he dies. <laughs> uh, and then its molecular structure breaks down and goes piff, and leaves behind a gold coin. Yay! Tornell. Yeah! Tornell, go ahead. Got a 21. Oh, I'm going to melee again. The snake. <laughs> yeah, you get two melee attacks from where you're standing. Hooray. Uh, 21. Okay. And for damage, I've got a 10. Nice. So is that collective? 10 damage in all? Oh, that's for this one. Oh, that's just the one. Okay. Yep. And for the second one, 5. Uh, Kensu uh, has nothing to do with this one. Tornell, you may describe the snake's death. He uh, wiggles around. And he kind of spells out uh, various unfriendly words with his body to us. <laughs> and then he uh, he dies. Piff. Leaving behind a gold coin. Excellent. Hooray. Bravo. Everyone survived with flying colors. Uh, because Yay. I don't care to tell the audience just how many hit points you have to follow proper Crystallis uh, amounts. Um, so, hooray. Everybody uh, gains, let me do math, 40 experience points each. Yay. And you find 16 gold on the ground. That's mine. Is that in addition to the ones that were there when the things went poof? Uh, those are the ones that were there when the things went poof. I see. So the one left 8 gold, the other one left 8 gold. And together you have 16! Hooray! So you may divvy that up however you like. I take it all. No. <laughs> no? And you earned no. it. Somebody should be in charge of the party coffers. We don't eat really, get four. I find that often it's better to just kind of pool this stuff and then maybe give it up later. I think that sounds like a fair idea. So if somebody, um, actually, Asina, I'm arbitrarily choosing you to take care of party loot. Okay. We can divvy it up later. Damn it, why did right. I have to be responsible? Why? <laughs> okay, so the tunnel is clear again. It's still cold. Shall you keep going, or do you want to turn back and uh, tuck your tail between your legs and go back to the inn and stay for the night? Oh, bullshit. We got this. It was a comfy Shut bed. <laughs> Tornell's shuffling here. He's like, well, it was a comfy bed. Come on, you guys. <laughs> so warm. Yeah, but it was a rip-off. <laughs> All right. So you head down the tunnel, and you find a small staircase that goes up to... Uh, another level of the tunnel, which looks to be equally smoothly carved out here. Uh, you have 
fewer and fewer doubts all the time that this was man-made. And you are now standing at a place where the tunnel goes directly to the west and then curves around to the south. So presumably, you will be following until uh, we reach an intersection, which we shortly do. The intersection goes to the south, and it looks like you can see a little bit of daylight creeping through uh, the tunnel at the end there. And to the west, the tunnel curves off to the north in an L shape. Which way would you like to go? Okay, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, I never actually released my Crystalis uh, Let's Play, but I constantly commented throughout it that if you go to the right, it leads on, and if you go to the left, it leads to treasure. So whichever way is left, <laughs> let's go that way first. <laughs> What do you guys think? I can get behind that. Okay. All right. You begin to head west, and uh, you're, somebody had a – I know we had a rolling spot check of 30, but what about a listen check? I didn't hear a uh, continuous listen check from anybody. I'm pretty good with listen, too. All right. Well, why don't you all listen? Somebody give me a number. Uh, 17. 17. Uh, that is enough to hear voices from just around the corner and – uh, yes, and so you hear some voices from around the corner saying, oh, not another one of these ice walls. The other one says, you know, I don't know who the wizard was who put him in there, but it's just really inconvenient. I mean, we got to go to all of this trouble if we ever want to get past him. The other one says back to him, yeah, but we don't really need to get past it. I mean, you know, we just hit a box back there in case we ever need some reinforcements. You know, while we're chasing thugs out of the tunnel, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, but how are we ever going to get to it if it's behind an ice wall? I mean, that's completely inconvenient for everybody. It's just like asking for somebody else to go pick it up. So they carry on with this conversation for a little while. Do you choose to continue going around the corner or do you make your way south out of the tunnel? Uh, it sounds like there's some Imperial Guards down there. Do we want to turn around, maybe? What do you... They have loot. They have loot. Are you saying you want to uh, beat them up and take their stuff? <laughs> they can't right. call for reinforcements. I mean, what, why are we here if not to beat these guys up and take their stuff? <laughs> I mean, I knew... You there... guys are here to go on to Portella on the other side and explore uh, possibilities of getting into the floating tower but you know whatever you want to do in the meantime I mean, and they have stuff that we may that may help us should it only we beat them up a little bit so. <laughs> there you go i can't argue with that sound logic okay uh we charge forward with wild abandon say, well, why don't we all right like call for the name of the do we represent any governing body uh, you do not represent any governing body. You are part of a resistance or a rebellion led, led as aforementioned, by Azteca, uh, who is standing against the Empire, so you can say you're with the resistance. Also in the name of the resistance. There you go. All right. I mean, the Emperor's dead, right? We killed him. Yes, you did kill the Emperor. You're not sure how quickly news of that has spread or if anybody cares, but you did do that. Yeah, All right. yeah, we did. So you march around the corner, and uh, using your same line formation as before. Now, when you're marching around the corner, do you stick to the north wall, stick to the south wall, stick the middle? Do you run in there? Do you creep slowly along the side? Creep? Yes, we do the creep. <laughs> uh, feel free to roll a uh, hide-and-move-silently check, if you so desire. Or you can just walk around and hope that they don't notice you. Uh, I'm going to do a move-silently, which gives me a... Uh... 21 after bonus. Okay. 21 is good. Anybody else trying to move silently? Yeah, sure. 
Why don't we get move silently checks for everybody? Oh, 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 I got an even better idea. I got an even better idea. Well, he sounds I'm going to use my polymorph ability to, uh, to turn into one of them. Now you're thinking. All right. <laughs> uh, so you successfully turn into an Imperial Guard. I, move, I got a 20 on my move silently, so I'm moving silently while Mike is scrolling around the corner. Okay, you got All right. it. All right, uh, so Kenzo, go... go ahead around the corner. Yeah, I'm going to go, uh, you know, hail fellow soldiers. Uh, I've just received received word from, what's the guy's name, Mato? Uh, Mato, yeah. Mato, that we're, uh, we're to uh, reconvene uh, down the mountain. Mato, what's he doing here? Apparently he's supposed he to be off on some missions place. somewhere. Pardon? I said he's supposed to be off on some mission somewhere. That's what I heard, anyhow. Uh, not like I'm eavesdropping on General Kilbask or anything. I don't know what to tell you. He just came storming down the mountain, saying that he wanted to have all men in this region uh, down in the foot, uh, down at the foot by uh, sundown. The other guy says, "Now, since when does Mato give orders? Everybody knows that he's the guy. He's the shock trooper. He goes in there on his own. He never gives people commands. This is highly irregular." Uh, bluff check. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> we can hear if you roll again. <laughs> that was my that was me looking for my character sheet. Oh. Don't worry, I'll keep them on it. <laughs> Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight bluff. Not so shabby. They say, yeah, it's weird, but a lot of weird things have happened since the Emperor died, so I guess we'll just roll with it. Okay, so where'd you say they're meeting? Convening at the base of the mountain? Yes. All right, off we go. Hey, just uh, if you're going to stick around here, make sure nobody goes through that ice wall. I mean, that thing just takes forever to deal with. Don't don't let anybody waste their time, okay? Oh, I hate those ice walls. Yeah, oh, hate it. All right, well, we'll see you down there. Thanks. And they march around the corner and uh, are blissfully unaware of your presence as they walk right by the rest of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So uh, you can stand there and watch them walk away, or whatever. Can they, is everybody in the party like uh, Kronk from the Emperor's New Brew? <laughs> well, you know, he's up against exactly the wall. Like that, with their own theme music and everything. <laughs> Ed, puppy attack! I've been spotted by the puppy! Ah! Help! <laughs> so uh, the soldiers walk completely past you and do not notice you at all. They're out of the tunnel. All right. Uh, congratulations, everybody gets uh, 50 experience each for successfully getting around the guards. Uh, See, there is a non-violent solution for things, too. And I'm pretty sure this is where Tornell comes in? Yes, yes as you indeed. come around the corner, you see a wall of solid ice that seems to have been mm, uh, formed out of nothing over the archway into the next area of the tunnel. And, and then I would take my by fire. I would take my magical sword and charge it up to level two and let mm -hmm. it rip. This long stream of fire erupts from your sword and instantly melts a gigantic hole in the ice wall, and the ice wall is no more. Yay! Yay! Uh, I walk through and try to figure out what the this box on the other side has in it. Okay, so you walk around the corner. It uh, L-shapes again to the east. As you're walking, this part of the tunnel looks to be a little bit taller. Previously, it was about between 20 to 30 feet 
tall, the tunnel. Um, oh, I'm sorry, that's that's a bald face lie. It was about um, 10, 15 feet tall at any given point. And uh, now it reaches up to about 30 feet tall, and you can see a bridge uh, crossing overhead oh. um, to another part. It looks like there's a crisscrossing tunnel over top, and you can see the bridge up there. And at the end is a pleasant little blue treasure chest. Yeah. Open the chest. Open the chest. Yeah. All right. So, Zebu, are you the one in charge of this? Yes, I run in with wild abandon and I open the chest. All right. You abandonedly open the chest and you find antidote herb. Yes. I, I, I take it. All right. Uh, you take it. So you now have an antidote herb. Ding. All right. Now what? Out of the tunnel. Back to the south, the way the guards came. Uh, yeah, go take put the... Put your tail between your legs and scurry back to the inn for a good, nice, warm oh, bed. Oh, yeah, it. I'm gonna, I don't like that innkeeper. I'm gonna say, uh, go back to the uh, fork in the path and take the other route. Sounds good. All right, Zebu leads the way uh, with uh, Kensu and Asina and Tornell in front of him. Uh, <laughs> yes, I was gonna say. And marches uh, out, and you are now outside, and your eyes take a moment to readjust to the brightness. Next time on the Game Cola D&D cast, Kenzu gets stabbed for 30 minutes. Be there!